Hello and good morning. We have a special edition here for the Red Shirts Waiver Wire podcast. This is not Kent Wyrock, as you may know. This is Matthew Betts uh, filling in for Kent. He can't be with us actually this morning, but I do have my buddy Matt Okada finally joining us for a Waiver Wire pad. Uh, pod, how you doing there, Okada? I am doing just wonderful. It is 6.57 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is the time in which I live. And uh, I'm excited to be awake and on a waiver pod for once. Yeah, we're doing a little special Monday morning uh, recording of the pod. Usually we do this on either Monday nights or Tuesday mornings, but uh, we have some special circumstances going on. And I'm actually a little under the weather. I think I got the sickness from Okada through the airwaves. So I'm home from work today. Uh, I talked to Okada and said, hey, you want to just do this thing Monday morning? So we are getting a glimpse of what it's like to work full-time in the fantasy industry, and we're starting our Monday mornings off with some fantasy football, so what could be better, right? Brilliant. <laughs> awesome. Let's go ahead and get into it here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and bring up some names that we're looking to add this week on waivers. Um, we're just going to be really quick with the first one here at the quarterback position, and that is Jameis Winston, who's coming off of a bye, so he's flying a little bit under, under the radar. Uh, before the team went on bye after their Week 4 loss, the team announced that he is going to be the starter here moving forward. Uh, we know that Fitzmagic had an incredible run, uh, but unfortunately that has come to an, an end. The Magic has run dry. Uh, and as you all may know, Magic is not real. So mm. Winston is going to go ahead and step in. Okada, what do you think about uh, picking up Winston here off the waivers? I'm very sad to hear that Magic is not real. That that kind of puts a damper on the morning. But I just found uh, that out, yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> As for Winston, however, I am all aboard on that. Um, I actually drafted him in a ton of places early back in the offseason to hold on to for just this moment. I think he has top six QB potential. So if he's on your wear wire, I would definitely pick him up. The weapons there are so good. Uh, we saw what Fitz could do with them, and I think he can be better. And he has a matchup with the Falcons next week. Uh, yeah, which is uh, that's a very good matchup, as we've seen, probably one of the best in the league at this point. So he's going to light it up in his return. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely on the streaming radar uh, heading into next week. I would agree with that. The next quarterback we're going to go ahead and get into here uh, is a rookie who we are all very excited about. And that is Baker Mayfield, who looked really, really good yesterday against the Ravens. Uh, the game itself was very sloppy and low scoring. I think it finished, what, 12 to 9 in overtime? Yes, I believe that's um, right. But he came out and looked great, threw for over 340 yards, did throw a touchdown, and also added two rushes for 23 yards. Um, Okada, talk to me about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he was uh, he was another guy that I, I was kind of interested in picking up. Uh, we talked about it when he got officially named as a starter, being a potentially streamable guy. And next week he has the Chargers, who we thought were going to be a very, very good defense. Um, and they have had some flashes here and there and some good players. But not having Joey Bosa doesn't help them. And so they've, they've been able to uh, get scored on by QB. So I'd be interested in Mayfield next week and several weeks probably over the next few weeks as a starter. So worth picking up. I'm not going to probably spend more than a couple bucks on him. Whereas Winston, I would probably spend four to six maybe, depending on what my QB situation was um, as far as fab. Because I think Winston is almost guaranteed starter. But I'm still interested in Mayfield too. Yeah, you brought it up there. The The Chargers matchup next week, I think it initially probably would scare a lot of people, but um, it's looking quite favorable. And actually, the next several weeks for uh, the Browns in general, they have an awesome schedule coming up. Their schedule is as follows. The Chargers, 
the Buccaneers, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Falcons. So uh, wow. legitimately, yeah, legitimately, Baker Mayfield could be a starter in every single one of those matchups. So I agree. I think he's definitely worth streaming, um, not only this week, but moving forward as well. Like it. All right, let's go ahead and kick it over to the running back position. Um, another Buccaneer makes this list, and we're just going to bring him up as a uh, reminder to all those out here, out here that we talked about him last week on the waiver pod, and that's Ronald Jones. Uh, by no means is this a, an ad and a start right away. It's more of a speculative ad. He's out there in about 75% of leagues, so he is very, very um, under-owned at this point. The team did finally activate him and start him one game. Um, so, you know, starting running backs in the NFL are worth their weight in gold. By all means, he's worth a roster spot just to wait and see what happens. But I think that you'll agree to this here, uh, Okada, that it's it's definitely a speculative ad and not anything to get super excited about quite yet. Yeah, you and I were both pretty big Ronald Jones haters coming into the season, and that remains the case for me, uh, maybe even worse at this point, considering how long he's been a healthy scratch. Um, but considering also the running back landscape and the the chance that you probably are desperate for a starter or you may be desperate for a starter in one or two leagues. It's definitely worth having him. I would not be willing to start him until I see at least one very good game, like a 15 carry 65 yard plus game where he maybe gets a couple goal line carries. Then I'm looking at, then I would maybe look into starting him, but until I see that I'm not going to. So it's definitely a speculative sort of bench hold situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw what Peyton Barber did, or I guess I should say didn't do, with the opportunities that he got. So uh, I don't think that Ronald Jones is going to come in and obviously just change that right away. Um, But like you mentioned, worth an ad, worth a speculative wait and see. And if he hits, then then it's awesome and you get, you know, a starting running back moving forward. So add him to your bench and wait and see what happens there. The next guy we're going to kick it over to is a Seattle Seahawks running back, which very sadly for me, is not Rashad Penny. Uh, it is Mike Davis. <laughs> he rushed 12 times yesterday for 68 yards and found the end zone. And I think, personally, the the biggest surprise here was that there were no rushes, no targets for Rashad Penny. So I don't know if Mike Davis has supplanted him as the number two behind Chris Carson or what it is, but uh, the team does not want to use Rashad Penny. They want to use Mike Davis. Yeah, there's also, believe it or not, no rushes for Russell Wilson, which is very rare. Um, Apparently, the Seahawks have figured out their run game. I was watching this game yesterday. They have now had a 100-yard rusher. In this game, it was Carson. Mike Davis still looked very good for three straight weeks. Last week, it was Davis. Before that, they had gone like 22 weeks without a 100-yard rusher or something like that. So apparently, they have figured out that aspect of their game, though not many other aspects. Um, and so I still think Mike Davis is clearly the number two behind Carson here. He may get some goal line work and he is getting enough carries throughout the game that he still is a viable, maybe low end flex, I would say. But if Carson gets injured, which he has had a hip injury as recently as last week, he's certainly in line for potential RB2 level workload so I think he's definitely worth having on your roster as even as a flex option but even more so as potentially as a sort of quote-unquote handcuff to Chris Carson yeah absolutely I would agree with that I think that uh, we saw Chris Carson 
he's been getting a ton of volume, and I think it's caught up to him, like you mentioned, with that lingering hip issue. We don't know exactly what's going on there, and it actually caused him to miss week four suddenly out of the blue, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. So um, definitely worth monitoring for sure, and, and this kind of speaks to it, that if he does happen to miss time, it's going to mean Mike Davis, and it is not going to be Rashad Penny, which still just leaves me with my shoulders shrugged because I don't understand why you spend a first-round pick on a guy at the running back position and then just not put him on the field. So uh, we'll see what's going on there moving forward. But the next guy we want to talk about here is a guy who's found his, his name on this list multiple times, and that's Alfred Morris. Uh, he rushed 18 times yesterday for 61 yards and also got five targets and turned that into three catches for 30 yards. Um, the reason that he's on this list is not necessarily because of his production. It's more or less the fact that Matt Breda actually left the game with a sprained ankle um, and did not return. So if he is going to miss time, Alfred Morris is going to be the guy there in San Francisco. Yeah, so I saw a update. It, in fact, it might have been what woke me up this morning that said Breda had a mid to high ankle sprain. So what does that mean, do you think, weeks timeline-wise? Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to, to truly answer because mid to high ankle sprains is not an actual diagnosis. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, so when you talk about a high ankle sprain versus your traditional lower ankle sprain, the high ankle sprain is a sprain of the bones that make up your lower leg, whereas the lower uh, sprain is pretty much like your typical classic roll your ankle type of ankle sprain, which I'm sure literally all of us have had. Um, and they carry very different timelines for their recovery. So if this is truly a high ankle sprain, even if it's minor, he's going to be out multiple weeks. Um, he did get the ankle taped up during the game, and you can see him on the sideline attempting to put some weight on it and try to come back in. Uh, but obviously, he was in just too much discomfort, and it didn't happen. So um, I think, personally, he's going to miss at least this week, potentially another one. The team does play on Monday night, so it's going to be one of those situations where I think this will come down to a Saturday decision or even a Sunday decision uh, for the 49ers. So if you're lying on Breda and you need a backup plan, I think Alfred Morris is a great snag for this week. Yeah, um, Alfred Morris is probably the only guy amongst the running backs we're talking about here that I would spend more than 3 or $4 on fab budget-wise. I would probably start around 6 or 7 but if we get some news before waivers run, which would be very fortunate – that Brita is going to be a couple weeks or beyond, uh, like Betts is saying, I would easily go higher than that on Morris. Um, apparently, Bethard can do something in this offense. And <laughs> the, Cardinals, the Cardinals aren't the greatest team to do it against, but if Bethard can, can keep them a little bit more competent than we thought they would be after Jimmy G's injury, then Morris can certainly hold value. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you mentioned, the the timeline, I think, for Breda is really what, what determines what you're going to spend on on Morris. Um, when I heard the news, like you just mentioned, I went ahead and put on the show doc here, I'm going to spend up to 10% of my fab right off the budget, like I said, because it could be a multi-week absence. And like we just talked about, running backs in fantasy are gold, so you could have a starter here for a couple of weeks uh, if that does decide to miss a couple of weeks. All right, last running back on the list here. We'll go ahead and kick it over to uh, one guy that, Probably isn't too too exciting to talk about, honestly. Um, and Okada, you wanted to talk about him, so I'll give you the floor here. Tell me why you want to talk about Marlon Mack uh, adding him on waivers this week. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's basically this. Apparently, no one else in Indianapolis is the right running back so far. 
Uh, we thought with Robert Turbin coming back, maybe he would finally get the work coming back from suspension, and he did not. Naheem Hines got more of the carries, and I don't think that's really what they want to do. They certainly want to use him as a pass catcher. We've seen that, and I think we'll continue to see it. But if Marlon Mack can come back healthy, which at some point he should, he has a chance to be the starter. So this is similar to Ronald Jones, I would say, um, except instead of coming back from being healthy and active, he's coming back from being injured. But if he gets a chance to be the starter and he becomes the starter, then you have a little bit of value in an offense that's certainly moving all over the place, even though that team doesn't seem to be winning. Yeah, what a bizarre usage, I think, is the best word for Naheem Hines. We talked about him as my start of the week last week. Um, and the only reason I really wanted to talk about him was honestly because of the pass-catching role that he has. But yeah, 15 carries on Thursday night against the Patriots, um, which by all means didn't look great. But yeah, a lot of volume there. And they, they need a guy to come in and do that. It certainly is not going to be Naheem Hines, but... Uh, potentially it could be Marlon Mack if he finally gets this hamstring thing sorted out. In terms of fad fad budget here, I'm only going to spend maybe 1% to 2%. Um, kind of a wait-and-see approach again. He's been out for so long that I just don't know what he's going to be if he comes back healthy here. Uh, but hopefully he can get back on the field sooner than later. Next couple guys on the list here, we're going to kick it over to the wide receiver position. Uh, I just want to bring them up because Kent and I talked about them on last week's waiver pod. So we're just going to kind of breeze over them really quickly. Taylor Gabriel coming off by for the Chicago Bears and Taewon Taylor uh, of the Tennessee Titans. Both guys we talked about a lot last week. So if you want more information about them, please go back and listen to that pod. Um, But Okada, I'll give you a a quick second here. If you have anything to add for either of those two guys, feel free. Uh, Otherwise, we'll kind of move into the more relevant guys for this week's um, waiver edition. Yeah, definitely. I think you guys hit on Gabriel's targets, uh, which were looking pretty good coming into their buy. Uh, so that that's the reason to look at him. I personally am not too confident that Mitchell Trubisky can support, or Mitch Trubisky, I don't even know. Who knows what he wants to be called? <laughs> I think it's can Mitchell. Su- okay, Mitchell can support uh, more than one decent receiver, if that, but we'll see. I think his sixth touchdown game was a bit of a fluke. Uh, but but Gabriel still is worth adding just in case. And then Taewon Taylor, that one I'm 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 even less confident in that one. Mariota is so up and down this year, and we've seen it in Corey Davis's production, and he's the real target hog here. So Taewon Taylor has had a couple decent games with a, a decent target share, but he's never going to be the number one, and Mariota can hardly seem to support that. So I'm not a huge Taylor fan. I would maybe spend a dollar or two if you're desperate and you need a bi-week flex. But that, other than that, I'm pretty hands-off. Yeah, dude. I don't know I don't know what it is with Mariota and this Titans offense. I'm starting to get to a point where, um, even in Dynasty, I'm out on Marcus Mariota, which I actually just traded for him in one of our super flex leagues that you and I played together uh, about oh, three weeks ago. I bought low on him as a, an injury guy, um, coming back with that nerve contusion. But... Yeah, man. Multiple years in the league, up and down, never really put a full season together. So I'm starting to lean towards the fact that this Titans offense and Marcus Mariota might just be a mirage. So uh, we'll wait and see. Taewon Taylor, though, I like the player. We'll see if the Titans can get it figured out. One guy, though, that I am pretty excited about uh, is Kiki QT, who Kent and I also talked about last week. But we got to bring him up again because he had another awesome game last night on Sunday Night Football. 
Seven targets, six catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown. You like the uh, the rookie, QT? I do like Kuti. For one thing, his name is excellent. Uh, but for another thing, he looks really good, too. I watched that uh, that entire game. And for some reason, they kind of went away from him in the second half. He was got most of his targets in the first half. So I'm not sure why they did that, because they needed to move the offense throughout the game. Uh, but he looked very, very good. He, uh, I think he had about <laughs> seven targets. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Um, and brought in most of them. He had a touchdown. Uh, so yeah, I'm, and Will Fuller is continually questionable, uh, with various soft tissue or lower body injuries. So, and even when he's not, this offense is pretty pass happy right now. And Deshaun Watts is slinging it all over the place. So I think Kuti holds value regardless, but especially if he were to be, be the wide receiver two in that offense, uh, he could be maybe even a wide receiver two for fantasy. So I'm definitely on board with this one. I would spend several fab dollars. Uh, can you give our listeners an idea of what several fab dollars would be? <laughs> I would say around six to seven would be okay. my definition of several. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's that's a good amount. I'm actually going to go a little higher. I'm willing to go up to 10%. Um, and the reason mostly is because of the fact, like you mentioned, uh, Will Fuller he just can't be trusted in terms of his health and his week-to-week status with these injuries. Um, he's been listed on the injury report. I believe it's four out of the five weeks so far with the hamstring injury. Um, so it's going to probably linger for multiple weeks like we've seen with all these other players. And if he does miss any time, uh, QT immediately slots in as a wide receiver two in fantasy, in my opinion, just because of the fact that, like you talked about, this offense um, goes through the air. Uh, and it's Deshaun Watson, it's you know Will Fuller and QT when, when they're both out there, and then it's DeAndre Hopkins. It's so easy to predict, uh, and I love offenses like that. So I want a piece of that, that pie, and if I don't have the other guys, I'm getting QT for sure. Definitely, and if you've forgotten what Betts and Kent talked about last week, if you combine his last two weeks, which are his only weeks with production, Coutinho now has 22 targets, 17 receptions, 160 yards, and a touchdown. So that's very, very, very good for a waiver pickup. You like that. All right, let's go ahead and kick it over to another wide receiver here. This was Kent's start of the week last week, so he hit on this one. Mohamed Sanu. Uh, he found the end zone, seven targets, four catches, 73 yards. Um, in, in a game that I think a lot of people predicted was going to be more of a shootout than it was, the Falcons offense just couldn't get it going. Uh, but Sanu did find the end zone, and he hit for Kent on a start of the week. Uh, talk to me about Sanu. You added him this week on waivers? Yes, definitely. Uh, Sanu I would probably even look at as the most viable of the <clears throat> excuse me of the wide receiver Free agents we're talking about here, so I would spend upwards of $6 on him, maybe as high as 8 or 9 depending on my situation. Uh, he really is a wide receiver, too, there. I know we all got hyped up about Calvin Ridley, and Calvin Ridley is very, very talented and will score touchdowns, but Mohamed Sanu is, I believe, the second guy in targets, um, or I expect him to be so moving forward. And this defense is annihilated they have no one healthy and they cannot play the game at all whatsoever so this team is going to be throwing constantly and i think that'll keep some news targets up his last week three weeks now are seven nine and seven in target count and he's had 111 yards or a touchdown in all three of those games so sanu is is a basically a productive wide receiver three i think reliably moving forward 
Yeah, I like it. I think that the thing that separates Sanu and Ridley for that wide receiver two position in the Falcons offense is the fact that, you know, with Sanu, it's repeatable, right? You just talked about the targets. They're there week after week after week. With Ridley, you know, the touchdown explosion came out of nowhere, and then people are now just chasing those points and hoping for them to come back. But uh, like we always talk about, follow the volume, and for Sanu, it's there. And what normally, with the exception of this past weekend, is a, a very good offense. So I like it. I think I'm willing to go same range as you, kind of 6 to 8% of my fab budget to go get him. Next guy on the list here, we're going to kick it over to a guy who I hyped up most of the offseason as a, a deeper sleeper uh, receiver, and that is Robbie Anderson, who came out of absolutely nowhere, Calvin Ridley-esque, three catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Do you think this is repeatable, or is this just a flash in the pan here, Okada? This is a very tough one because it depends entirely on Sam Darnold. The reason that Robbie Anderson disappeared for pretty much the entirety of the season up to this, except for one catch in week one, is because Sam Darnold was not chucking the ball. Having said that, he apparently learned how or decided he was capable of chucking the ball in this game because Robbie Anderson got multiple deep catches, including his touchdown. I think that Darnold is probably progressing, so I'm willing to look at Robbie Anderson here. Um, He should have been a wide receiver three, wide receiver two type of player. We saw that last year with Josh McCown uh, was the quarterback. I think he was even higher than that or high in wide receiver two. So I'm willing to spend probably four or five bucks here, a little bit less than I would spend on Sanu or even Kuti, just because I'm still not confident. But if Darnold has turned the corner here and he's willing to start chucking it to Anderson, he has a lot of upset. Yeah, I think if, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, he finishes wide receiver 16 last year. Um, so yeah, we've seen him do it. Like you talked about, it's just a matter of whether or not Darnold is going to transform into more of a deep ball thrower and actually take some shots, or if he's going to continue to play it safe in his rookie season. Uh, I still like the talent from Anderson. I still like, you know, what he can do on the field, but like you talked about, it's just a matter of if Darnold's going to change and, and chuck it deep or not, which that's exactly what Josh McCown did, right? He dropped back, said, mm-hmm. I don't care how many defenders there are. Go deep. Here we go. I'm going to chuck it up and see what happens. But uh, it looked great, and the, the receptions that he had, uh, the balls that Darnold threw were very clean, very accurate, um, and, and great placements. So hopefully he can do it again in the future. Uh, but for now, I agree with you. It's definitely more of a speculative ad for me. I don't even know if I'm willing to really spend that much of my budget to go get him, mostly because of the fact that it was such a low volume of targets. I think he only had five. So uh, until we see that more and more consistently, I think I'm going to hold off for a little while longer uh, moving forward. Last two guys here on the list. We'll go ahead and kind of wrap these up quickly here, Okada. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a rookie receiver from the Green Bay Packers. He filled in in the absence of Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison, who both did not play in this game with injury. Cobb was ruled out early with a hamstring injury, and Geronimo Allison did not clear concussion protocol. So Valdez-Scantling comes right in. Ten targets, which from Aaron Rodgers, you could argue is worth probably about 15 targets. Uh, seven catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. What do you think about Valdez Scantling? First of all, another excellent name. The, what a great, oh, but way too great. long. It really takes a, a lot of my breath to say Marquez Valdez Scantling, but it's it's an enjoyable time saying it. Uh, <laughs> this one is definitely dependent on what we expect for Cobb and Allison moving forward, and we may not know too much about that by the time waivers run. 
So he is somebody you probably want to add because if either of them, either of them, not both, I think, either of them misses time, I think Valdez Gantling is going to hold value. Uh, Aaron Rodgers can easily support uh, multiple wide receivers and possibly three, depending on uh, the matchup and the way that the Packers are playing right now. He, as we saw this week, um, is throwing it all over the place. I believe he reached 52 pass attempts uh, or something to that magnitude. And when Aaron Rodgers is throwing that much, there's going to be quite a few guys with fantasy value. So I would definitely add him and see what happens with the injury news as the week goes along. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to kind of speak to that too, it's one of those things that it's always the next man up for any Aaron Rodgers pass catcher. Um, that's why Geronimo Allison became relevant is because Randall Cobb started dealing with some injuries. So now that, you know, both guys are on the injury report, um, definitely Valdez Scantling is on my radar for sure. And like you mentioned, both don't have to miss, just one. And I believe that there's still a pretty good chance that Randall Cobb will not be ready for next week. Didn't practice at all this week. Um, and, and reports are coming out that he's telling reporters that he's never dealt with an injury like this and he's not sure how to truly manage it, uh, which sends off some red flags in my eyes because these hamstring injuries, like I probably said on this podcast, 97 times at this point, can linger for multiple weeks. As we've seen, this is now the second straight week Cobb has been out. So uh, there's a good chance he misses for a third straight week. And if he does, Valdez Scantling is a, a great play, in my opinion. The last wide receiver we'll just touch on really quickly here is Josh Reynolds, who literally is owned in 0% of leagues. Um, he is a player for the Los Angeles Rams, more of a wide receiver four, wide receiver five for them. But he finds his name on this list because Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup are both in concussion protocol. Um, and we know that that progression through that protocol is not always as smooth as it may seem. It can take multiple weeks to get through it. So if either of those guys miss, is Josh Reynolds a guy that you're looking for on waivers? Yes, he is. And clearly these uh, own percentages don't include MFL Dynasty Leagues because I own Josh <laughs> Reynolds in an MFL Dynasty League. And it's for just this reason. Um, if if either of those guys misses time, we have seen the Rams offense this year supporting three very productive wide receivers. Um, and we saw it in this game when uh, Cooks and Cup both went out. Reynolds started getting targets and making use of them. Um, I don't know how long either will be out. Cooks's concussion or hit was really nasty. Uh, yeah, he, that was brutal. Yeah, he went down hard, and he looked like he was almost knocked out for a few seconds. Um, so we'll see how that one pans out this week. But assuming we don't know, Reynolds is worth a, at least a $1 or $2, or maybe even a free fab ad, depending on uh, how smart your league is. Because his, his receiving line wasn't incredible. He only had 39 yards. But over a full game of targets from Jared Goff, I think there's a good chance he produces. So I... I I'd try to get him maybe even after waivers run. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that he's a guy that you could just not even bother putting a waiver claim in, just waiting till waivers run, and then the next morning scooping him up for free because he is a very, very deeper uh, type of ad. And unless your league mates listen to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast, they are not going to know about him. Uh, but real quick, Okada, I'll just touch on this because you brought it up. The, the concussion severity and timeline doesn't really have anything to do with the intensity of how the hit looks or how um, the player looks when they're on the field. We saw this last year with Devontae Adams when he got absolutely crushed going across the middle on a Thursday night game. 
I'll never forget watching his mouth guard fly and just him laying on the field looked like uh, unconscious, but he came back and played the next week. So it is entirely symptom dependent and whatever the player is feeling as far as confusion, headaches, dizziness, trouble concentrating, those kind of things. That's what, that's what we look out for. Um, and yeah, sometimes it looks really, really nasty on the field. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, they're right back in there. So uh, he could be out there as early as next week talking about Brandon Cooks. Out of curiosity for Cooks, this is now his second concussion since the Super Bowl. He had a similar uh, situation in the Super Bowl. Does that concern you at all for Cooks? Uh, we do know long term for sure. There are there are concerns which are well documented at this point. In addition, the short term, every time a player has a subsequent concussion, the recovery timeline gets longer. However, there's no there's no definite like you know if they have one, there is going to be one week, or if they have two, it's going to be two weeks. So it's it's very inter- interdependent. But studies do show more concussions equals longer recovery times, and we've seen this with guys like Jordan Reed the history of, of his career so yeah i mean definitely there are concerns that you know brandon cooks has had another one uh really not that long ago all right that is going to wrap it up there for the wide receiver position real quick we'll go ahead and just kind of wrap up with tight ends cj uzuma i think i'm pronouncing that correctly um uzuma, uzuma is uzuma a, uzuma uh, are you going to use uzuma yes Um, he is a guy who plays for the Cincinnati Bengals Kent and I talked about Tyler Croft last week uh, as the guy to replace um, Tyler Eifert however Croft left this game with a foot injury we don't really know many details about that yet but if he is going to miss time and Uzuma is the only guy in that offense from the the tight end position uh, he could be worth an ad this week what do you think? Yeah, definitely. I wish I had been watching this game to see what their usage and the snap percentage was before Croft's injury, Um, because I think there was a chance we didn't really know for sure uh, that Yuzuma might even be the quote-unquote lead tight end uh, after Tyler Eifert's injury. But certainly if Croft misses any time, I'm definitely looking at Yuzuma. Dalton has always liked targeting his tight end, and they have made use of them, especially in the red zone uh, in recent years. Yuzuma? Yes, yes, they've made Yuzuma. Got it. Something like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I would spend, if, especially if you need a tight end, which you probably do, I would spend easily five, six bucks if, uh, if we know anything more about Croft missing time. And if not, and we just hope that Yuzuma is going to be the lead tight end, I'd still probably put out four or five dollars on him. Yeah, and, and Monday is the day that really more injury news comes out. So uh, we're recording this on a Monday. We don't have all those details yet. I would say by the time waivers run um, in the middle of the week, you will have more information about cross injury, which can definitely help you guide how much you want to spend on Yuzuma here moving forward. Speaking of tight ends to pick up, uh, Cameron Brait is an excellent play this week with OJ Howard. He's going to be out with an MCL sprain, which he sustained in week four. That recovery timeline was given as two to four weeks. So um, Cameron Bray is at least going to be the starter this week. And when he plays with Jameis Winston, good things happen and he finds the end zone um, pretty much like clockwork. So is he a guy that you're willing to go out and get this week? Um, Yes. I believe I may have thrown this out there on the Thursday pod, but I am all about getting Cameron Bray right now. Now, how much money I'm willing to spend for me is very dependent on your record. So this is kind of an interest, interesting one. If you are 
one and four or zero oh and five, and you still think you can win, or maybe even two and three, I'm going to spend more money on Cameron Bray because I think you need to win right now, and I think Cameron Bray is going to do a lot to help you do that. If you ha- have a winning record, but somehow you've gotten there without a great tight end, I would still spend spend a couple bucks on Bray. I think you have a good couple weeks stretch with OJ Howard out where he's going to be a tight end one uh, and probably a solid tight end one. So I would look to spend three, four bucks if you're in that kind of situation. And if you really, really, really need to win and you don't have a tight end, I would go up as high as 12 or 13. Yeah, I like it. I like the aggressive move, especially if you have to win now. Like you mentioned, it's it's pretty much do or die at this point for those teams with losing records. So do what you got to do. Manufacture a win. Go get Cameron Bray. Uh, we saw it last year when he played with Jameis Winston as the primary tight end. He finished as a top 10 option at the position. So uh, he's very serviceable. And the thing that I think is worth pointing out here, too, is the fact that even if O.J. Howard does come back in two weeks, who's to say that uh, he slots back in as the primary pass catcher at the tight end position? Winston and Bray have have had this chemistry for multiple years. You could just come right back in and say, hey, that, that's my guy, and I'm going to keep going to him. So I like the aggressive play here. Uh, and I'm with you on that, especially given how gross the tight end position is. Um, if you've got a guy who, who can find the end zone, he is going to be a top 10 option at the position. That's just kind of a matter of the fact. All right, last guy on the list here, and this is a guy that's very widely owned. So he's owned in 68% of leagues. However, uh, it's worth mentioning because there are a good number of leagues out there who he is on the waiver wire, and that is Greg Olson, who um, is actually returning from a, a foot fracture from earlier in the year. Um, reports came out this week that he was actually ramping up his activity in practice, doing some work on the sides by himself, which honestly I'm, I'm very surprised about because of the fact that uh, he did fracture the bone in his foot. It was the aggravation of his Jones fracture from last year. Um, however, the scenario here is very different than it was before because for the first time that he fractured the foot, they had to go in and do surgery to stabilize the bone. The second time that they fractured the bone, now there's already a, a piece of hardware in there, and the bone stabilized. It's just not fully um, intact, basically. There's a little break in it, which is a source of pain and inflammation and swelling and all that kind of stuff. So uh, for me, from a, a medical perspective, I'm excited to see Olsen back out there, but I am treading lightly on this, given that it's just one of those things that I think is going to be painful to play through. Uh, but he's pushing to play, and there's reports that he could play as early as this coming week in week six. Yeah, this I'm a little I'm a little iffy on this one. I kind of wanted Olsen to hold out longer. Um, they're three and one, so it's not like they desperately desperately need him to come back. But if he does come back, he probably is going to put up serviceable tight end fantasy points for you, um, assuming he plays and stays healthy. So he's certainly worth adding. Uh, in those leagues where he's not, he should be probably owned everywhere. I guess people don't have IR spots or something. Um, but I, I would easily spend a dozen, maybe 12, 13, 14 fab dollars, depending on your situation. Um, if you have, if you really need a tight end and the news does look good that he will play. Um, and you can always stash him a, a week or two to make sure that he's healthy and that he's getting used like he should in the offense, and he looks even close to 100% before throwing him out there, if you can stream someone in the meantime. Yeah, for sure, and like you talked about there, even even if he doesn't play this week, definitely stash him because 
Uh, you want to be a week early on these type of players, the, the players that are as, as good as Greg Olson is, um, rather than a week late. So I would sash him this week, even if it looks like he's not going to play, because he is getting uh, closer and closer here to getting back out there on the field. Whether it be at full capacity or not, he still is Cam's favorite option when he's out there um, and in a good offense. So yeah, definitely worth an ad and, and waiting to see what happens with, with Greg Olson. Makai, what do you think, man? Anything else for these listeners? Um, don't give up if you are one and four. If you're zero and five, you you could probably give up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Never. Um. Uh. No, but seriously, listen to this waiver pod. Go add some guys. Make some trades. Uh. And if you are already winning uh, and on your way to a championship, good job. You're probably doing that because of the red shirts pod. Let's be honest. That's got to be it. Yeah. Also, I just have to point out because I happen to notice briefly. I think we are wearing almost the exact same sweatshirt from the last two Super Bowls. <laughs> I'm wearing the Patriots sweatshirt from two Super Bowls, and Betts is wearing the Eagles sweatshirt from last year. So that's pretty funny. Oh, that's amazing, man. Uh, it's too bad you couldn't have gotten uh, back-to-back sweatshirts ah. with the same, same print on them, just the different True. Super Bowl logo. True. Oh, man. But all right, guys, that's going to go ahead and wrap it up Wrap it up here for... Uh, the Red Shirts Waiver Wire podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. We will be back on Wednesday night with a weekly recording talking about starts and sits with Kent. Uh, and then that pod will drop on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. And until then, we are the Red Shirts. Come on, come on,